Trying to navigate the world of skincare and beauty can be an absolute minefield, particularly when it comes to what you should and shouldn't do. Not only can the online rumor mill run wild, but there are just so many myths floating out there that can make it really difficult to know what we should be doing for our skin, what we should be spending our money on, uh, and you know what is actually going to do more harm than it will do good. So that is what I want to talk about on today's episode. If you are joining us for the first time, this is the Korean Beauty Show podcast, a space where we explore a whole range of different topics that are to do with Korean skincare, makeup, beauty, uh, whole lots of different things, and also skincare generally, not just Korea. I think it would be a little bit limiting if we just limited ourselves to Korea. So we don't do that. I am your host, Lauren Lee. I am the founder of Style Story, which was actually Australia's first online K-beauty store. We went online back in 2014. So it's been a little while now. And I am also, of course, the founder of Jellyco, a K-beauty brand that I launched this time last year. So Bubble Tea Steam Cream was our first product and I remember introducing it on the show pretty much around this time last year and explained to you guys the process for starting a brand, why I wanted to start a brand, how we sort of went about it. Well, it has now been a year, which is pretty crazy, but to celebrate our Bubble Tea Steam Cream's first birthday, I'm going to give you guys an ex- a special exclusive offer that I am not going to share with anyone anywhere else, and that is for 10% off your Bubble Tea purchase for the rest of this month, for the rest of September, and the code will be Birthday Bubble Tea. So Birthday Bubble Tea, just in all small caps, uh, and I'm only going to share that on the podcast, so no one else will know that one. That will just be for you guys. It's a special offer that I'm doing just for you because I want to thank you for all of your support. Thank you for tuning in and thank you so much. I know there are so many listeners who have reached out, uh, you know, to talk about Jellyco and to see what the brand is doing and to have supported us on social media and stuff like that. So this is just a thank you to you guys. 10% off your bubble tea purchase for the rest of this month when you use the code birthday bubble tea. So this week's news headlines was uh, a little bit different. So what they were talking about was cosmetics that don't have labels on them, which in Korean is called mu label, no label. So this is a really, really interesting topic. And when I read the news article, I was like, hold on a second, I need to Google this because I'm not quite sure. I need to see a picture to see how this is actually going to work. And, you know, understand, I guess, what the draw is. So essentially what they're talking about is that some K-beauty companies have just done away with labeling their products altogether because they are worried about, you know, recyclability and they want to improve the uh, eco-friendliness of their products. And obviously labels, when you, when it comes to recycling things, we're supposed to remove the label from the product first before we put it in the recycle, but a lot of people don't do that. So what these companies are trying to do is come up with an entirely different way of packaging their products that doesn't involve using a label at all. And one of the brands that was mentioned in the article was Tony 
Moly. So they have a popular product called Ceramide Mochi Soothing Toner. That's not actually a product that I've tried before, just because for me, Tony Moly was always a very much a road store brand. Like it's the kind of brand you would find in a train station. So I know that that, pop- that product has become really, really popular, but I think I always associate Tony Moly with just like really quick, pick stuff up at the train station kind of products, like not the kind of thing that I would necessarily go out and buy. But anyway, it turns out that what they've done is they've turned this product into a product that basically has zero label. It's got a transparent container and can be recycled 100%. Now, I was looking at the product and what they've done with it, and it's really interesting. It's basically a bottle that has, it almost looks like engraving on it, because obviously if you don't have a label, you know, there's, you need to then have the product name and all the feature call outs popping up somehow. So they, they, it looks like they've created a mold for the bottle and it has things that pop out of the bottle. So vegan was popping out and then obviously the product name. Um, and you know, I sort of was showing my husband like, Oh my gosh, like, is this the future of, you know, how, how cosmetics are going to go? And he said, you know what, you could really only do this with a product that is already a massive seller because for everyone else, you kind of rely on the label to draw people in and tell them what they're looking at in the first place and that was very true it this kind of product it's not eye-catching in the same way as a product that has a label because it all blends into the bottle if you know what I mean so maybe you need to google it but go and have a look but what they were saying was that uh they had reflected on consumer reactions opinions from their employees as well and collected lots of responses from the various channels that they sell on the stores and whatnot and considering the eco-friendly trend in the cosmetics industry they wanted to try and go with this no label type of product so that's what they've done uh they've introduced it across their social media and their youtube Uh, But this article is essentially saying that the beauty industry is taking the lead in developing eco-friendly containers. Uh, Colmar Korea, which is a popular ODM company, they developed a cosmetic paper tube in November last year. uh, And it's basically all made of paper except for the caps that obviously you need to use plastic for the caps because I'm not sure. I don't know if you guys have ever used those paper straws at Starbucks they're good for like the first 10-15 minutes and then they just fall apart so I imagine if it was a cosmetic trying to use a paper um, cap that that probably wouldn't work very well so apparently Colmar has uh, has developed something like that as well and then Amore Pacific has also developed eco-friendly cosmetic paper container Um, packaging as well Uh, and what they're doing is just trying to lower their usage of plastic so they've managed to get it lower by about 70% compared to their existing containers so you know that's a pretty good um, reduction I would say in plastic waste Um, so the article just went through a whole bunch of different companies and what they're doing but they did note they did note at the end that it's not easy for startups and small to medium businesses to develop eco-friendly containers due to two reasons number one is the lack of technology because this kind of thing is very cutting edge so you're going to be paying a lot of money to try and develop something like this and then the other big hurdle for smaller businesses is capital Uh, so you need a lot of 
of money to pour into a pro- project like this. And I think, uh, you know, it's probably worth noting that if you do have a new product that's just been released to market with a brand that nobody knows, I don't know that having no label on it is going to help people to actually discover the product just because it's so much harder to read it. You kind of would already need to know what you're looking for and then go and get it. But for these bigger brands that can afford to do that, that do already have a name built for themselves, I think really good on them that they're doing that. I think that is uh, very innovative. But the article also did mention that cosmetics are highly likely to deteriorate due to the nature of the product. So it's a little bit different from things like food, like food and beverage companies have already made the switch in many ways to this more environmentally friendly packaging. But there are just a whole lot of different factors uh, that need to be taken into account when it comes to cosmetics, because obviously we've got stability problems that we need to worry about uh, that are a little bit different to food and beverage items. Uh, and they said, you know, it's without a doubt that there, there will be rising costs and damage to sales due to the improved packaging materials. So a lot, lots of difficulties for smaller companies in developing this kind of stuff in the first place. But I just thought that that was a really interesting article. Um, I guess I'd be keen to see if this takes off. Like certainly this is not the norm at all. If you walk into any beauty store, in Seoul at the moment, you won't see these Mu Label products. Everything really has a label on it. Some companies do offer um, opt for more eco-friendly packaging like bamboo and things like that I've seen. But that is, I guess, one to watch. That's a really, really interesting one. So look, I found it interesting. (laughs) Hopefully you guys found it interesting as well. You will definitely notice if you have been tuning into the podcast every week that there is this recurring theme around sustainability, eco-friendly. And that's not me trying to push an agenda. That's just literally what is making the news. And I think that makes sense. It's news Newsworthy. It's newsworthy because it's not what's being done by the vast majority of people. It's not possible to be done by the vast majority of people. So that's why you will see these topics sort of coming through in the headlines, because as we all know, the news companies tend to report on things that are newsworthy rather than, you know, another random product that is the same as everything else. So that's why if you feel like, oh, my God, that's all they ever talk about. I mean, yes and no. That This is not the norm by any stretch. If you walk down the streets in Seoul, you want won't see this, but suffice to say, it is a topic of conversation in the industry, uh, and as it should be, really. I mean, with all of the issues that everyone has to worry about with climate change, this is a really important one to tackle, but not an easy one. So I think this will just be an ongoing process and an ongoing conversation between industry, brands, consumers, uh, retailers. Retailers are the other really big one that you may not realize how much influence that they really have over what we as brands tend to do. Um, Retailers are very, very picky. And if they've decided that, you know, something is uh, important to them or their consumers, then they're only going to work with brands that do that. So retailers are another really, really important part of the puzzle when it comes to this stuff. Now, 
The other section that I have been mentioning that I want to try and do a little bit more regularly, but I need your input is the question section. So I had a question this week and that was actually around nail trends. So if you guys follow me on Instagram, which is I'm Lauren uh, at Lauren.kbeauty, you will know that I have a massive love affair with nail art. I love going and getting my nails done and I'm usually trying out some really weird and wacky designs. So someone was asking about, you know, what are the nail trends over there at the moment? So a few years ago, it was all about really, really over the top. And I mean, there are still lots of really over the top designs, but I have noticed probably since the breakout of the pandemic, since the beginning of the pandemic, that minimalism and really like minimalist trending nails have become more and more popular. And the other new technique that I'm seeing a lot of salons do at the moment is what they call donut nail. And it almost is like a jelly-like substance that they do in different designs on top of the nails. I've got some on my fingers at the moment and it basically looks like the jam inside uh, like a jelly donut and then the other one is actually in the shape of a donut and it's basically this material that sits on top of the nail. I'll post a picture on my Instagram so that you can see what I mean but that is really really trending at the moment. Pretty much every salon is doing a version of it um, and coming up with you know different designs and things like that. So Korean nail trends, I mean Korea does lead the world when it comes to nail trends as well. I mean, even uh, the last time I was in the States, I noticed that um, doing a point nail is really popular. So that's when you've got like all of your nails, except maybe one on each hand that has like a glittery nail. So that is called a point nail in Korean. And that has been really popular for years and years and years. So I've, that kind of stuff trickles overseas because it's fairly easy for the salons to do it without spe- special skills or tools or anything like that. Um, but there you go. So I'm not sure if you guys are interested in nails as well, but that is what is trending at the moment here in Seoul, circa September 2021. All right, now on to the actual episode, which I have so much fun with the skincare myths. So I wanted to debunk five of the really, really common ones that I see doing the rounds. I mean, honestly, with with TikTok and everything these days, like... You, you, like, you could literally go on all day with the just amount of junk, like, rubbish stuff that people, you know, try and pass off as, like, real skincare advice. It's it's scary, but, like, you know, by, by the same token, a lot of the stuff that I see floating around, it's not necessarily going to hurt you. It's just wrong. Just wrong. Like, I saw someone, I was perusing through Reddit the other day, and someone a couple of people like, oh, Koreans don't even do the double cleanse in Korea. That's just, you know, marketing rubbish by the foreign um, K-beauty stores to try and sell you more products. And I was like, I've literally never heard anything more crazy. Like, not only is the double cleanse literally done at any esthetician that you go to, often it'll actually be a three-step cleanse, not a double cleanse. So that is just wrong, wrong, wrong. Not sure where that's come from. I get that people are skeptical of of, you know, 
stores trying to sell them more products and things like that but that one was just one off the top of my head I was just like where do you get this from like that is not true <laughs> literally not true so that one wasn't even on my list but there you go I saw that the other day and I was just like I don't know about that one all right so this is my actual list number one is that if the ingredients are the same go for the cheaper option and look this is there's a lot of brands at the moment that are a lot cheaper and some people absolutely swear by them and some people after trying their products for a little while you i see comments like this is why you pay a bit more for good skincare and this is why creating skincare is a lot like cooking so the ingredients are super important but the execution is going to be the make or break uh, the technology and process used to create the formulas make all the difference when it comes to skincare. I mean, there are definitely big differences in ingredients and the cheaper the product, you know, where they're getting those ingredients from becomes a lot more murky. But the execution, honestly, I cannot tell you. So uh, here's one example I can give you. Cleansing balm formulation uh, that we were working on uh, last year and I can't tell you how many samples we got back from various different labs and my god the difference if the people knew what they were doing versus the companies that were clearly just giving it a shot like I'm talking some of these products were basically unusable and that is like similar formulation and these are like reputable Korean uh cosmetic formulators but there is a vast vast difference in the capability of various different companies so it's not just about whether the ingredients are the same and, and you know reverse engineering a product or whatnot it, I wish it was as simple as that but it definitely definitely isn't so just because two products may contain the same or similar ingredients does not mean that they are all alike uh, I have talked at length about how skincare is actually made here in Korea there were two episodes um, on the podcast I think from off the top of my head it was maybe 60 and 61 around there so go back and have a listen if you are interested to know how they're made but this one I can eat I can very simply debunk and say no the cheaper product is not always the better product and you know I guess if the product is really cheap, well, how much time and effort did they put into their, you know, um, R&D process is what I would be querying because I know how much time we put into ours at Jellico. Like one of the products that we are hoping will be ready by the end of the year, we have literally been developing that product now for over a year and a half. Uh, just to try and get all the different things right and that's you know just how long it takes so if we had just put out to market the very first sample that we had received it would have been a really really crap product I can guarantee you the the iterative process of making small really tiny changes to a formula to get it to what you want it to be and performing uh, you know working on the skin the texture all of that kind of thing it takes a long time so I think cheaper definitely not always better that is not to diss any brand that is making cheap products but it's not as simple as if the ingredients are the same go for the cheaper one I 
can guarantee you that from very brutal and bitter first-hand experience manufacturing cosmetics here in Korea. So number two is if you have acne, you should clean your skin multiple times a day. Oh my gosh, you will see this on so many like videos. If someone posts a video, you know, with their acne, people will be like, have you cleaned your skin? Make sure you clean your skin. So first, if only it were this simple, if only you could get rid of acne just by washing your face. Like that is not it, unfortunately. Uh, the thing is, when it comes to things like overwashing and, and cleansing, this can literally be the worst thing you can do for your skin. Because remember, when we have a condition like acne, our skin is inflamed. It is in crisis. It is damaged. It is not in its best condition. Uh, and, you know, that's why we're getting things like bacteria. That's why we're getting things like multiple breakouts. So overwashing and cleansing can cause further irritation to already inflamed skin. I would implore you just to stick to max twice a day of cleansing. Uh, if you are, you know, looking for really, really gentle products, that's what I would recommend. pH balance products are the way to go. Um, I myself am very, very breakout prone and the ones that I use in my routine are Subi's Bare Skin Balm and the Brightening Powder Cleanser absolutely ultra gentle on the skin and won't inflame it any further. So. I just, this is, you do not get acne from not washing your face. Like I wish that it was that simple, but this is just a total myth. So don't listen to people that tell you that that's what it's about. Cause that, that is not it. That, that is not it. <laughs> so if you do have acne, obviously, you know, depending on the type of acne, if this is the kind of thing that has moved across from just a couple of pimples to a more serious problem, go and speak to a doctor, a dermatologist, and get someone to take a look at it. It is the kind of thing, I've said this before, that if you leave it too long, you will be dealing with scarring. So it's not something to, to muck around with. You know, if it is more than just a couple of pimples, you will know that. Definitely do go and see a specialist. If it is just a couple of pimples, then pimple patches, uh, you know, hydrocolloid stickers that you can put on the spots to stop yourself from picking at them, to give the skin some time to actually breathe and heal. That is the way to go for sure. But if it's anything more serious than that, just please do go and speak to a specialist. And just at least, I guess, understand the different options are, uh, that are out there. You know, it's not that you need to go on medication or anything straight away, but there are a lot of medicated steps before taking like a, a harsh drug that you can try and that the doctor will be able to guide you through that. So that is what I would say. Um, now, myth number three, this is a really similar one, is that purging and breaking out are the same thing. And I understand this can be so confusing, particularly if you are new to skincare. It's like they all look the same. So what are we talking about here? So purging is what happens when we start increasing our skin's cell turnover rate. So if you are starting to incorporate products like retinol, like AHAs, like vitamin Cs, BHAs, the things that we call actives in inverted commas into your skincare routine, those kinds of things promote cell regeneration. And what they are doing is essentially giving us new skin faster. But what happens is as the new healthy skin is coming through, it can bring to the surface a whole lot of 
gunk for want of a better word. So things like excess sebum, which is our oil, flakes, buildup, and that is the perfect storm for creating pimples. So when you first start introducing these products to your routine, you probably will experience some purging. But the good news is this, pimples from a purge have a much faster life than standard like acne or pimple breakouts, and they will usually clear up within a few days. So if you've just started using things like retinoids, I would recommend giving your skin around four to six weeks to purge. But if you still have problems a few months into a new routine, three, four months down the track after you've started introducing these products, that's the time to just put a pause on it, take it out of your routine to see if you can reset your skin by yourself. And if you can't, then it might be time to actually go and speak with a specialist or a doctor and get someone to take a look at it. So if your skin, if you're still not sure whether your skin is purging or reacting, because I know this one is uh, really a topic that gets a lot of people confused. I did an episode on this last year, all the way back in episode 16. So if you're like, oh, I'm not entirely sure which products are the ones that are going to be causing purging, go and take a listen to that because that was just an entire episode all about that. Uh, But that is a really, really confusing one and can spawn a lot of skincare myths and just wrong advice. So that is my myth number three. Now, myth number four is that if you have olive skin or dark skin, then you can skip the sunscreen. I can't tell you how many friends used to say this to me when I was a kid back in Australia. So when I was a kid growing up, I had literally the whitest, like seriously palest skin, like basically ghost shade known to man. So there was never a day that I could skip sunscreen. And I remember, you know, going to the beach with friends and other people would be laying out in the sun all day, just roasting themselves like a chicken. And they'd be like, oh, I have olive skin, so we don't need to worry about that. That is not not true and that is particularly not true for people living in Australia where our ozone layer has been depleted. So UV rays there are two types the UVB rays are the ones that burn your skin and then the UVA ones are the ones that age you. So B burn A age. They are literally the worst thing that you can subject your skin to and that's not just for superficial reasons obviously skin damage and particularly if you do live in Australia you'll be able to see pretty easily people that spent their life in the sun as a younger person they've got lots of dark spots lots of pigmentation I mean uh, premature aging lots of people in their 30s that look 10 years older because they spent a lot of time in the sun the other thing is skin cancer so skin cancer kills around 2,000 Australians a year which might not sound like a lot but it impacts many many more people so no matter what your skin type if you have olive skin if you have darker skin than that please wear sunscreen that is the easiest it is the best anti-aging cream you'll ever buy for a start and it is one thing that you can do that will actually help prevent things like skin cancer so i think if you are after that really nice golden summer tan then make your way to the fake tan aisle of your supermarket and pick up more sunscreen while you're there. That is literally the best thing that you can do. Just fake it. Fake it. I have never been able to tan and I used to wear fake tan all the time in Australia. Now that I've come to Asia, I can get away without fake tanning because everyone here 
prefers to keep themselves pale, which is a big relief for a white ghost like myself. But if you are wanting to get that really nice tanned look, fake it, just fake it. Your skin will thank you. And particularly once you get into your 30s, 40s, 50s, you will notice the difference. You will definitely be able to notice the difference if you look around the friends that spent a lot of time in the sun versus the people that stayed out of the sun and or wore, you know, a hat or sunscreen. You can definitely, definitely tell. So that one is just a big fat fake lie and you should definitely just wear sunscreen. I just think that that is the way to go. Yeah, skincare myth number five. I like this one. I like this one. It is the dermatologically tested products. You know, the ones that say tested by a dermatologist that these products are better. Now, I will admit this sounds super impressive. It sounds really, really professional, but dermatologist tested does not mean anything more than that. Like a dermatologist tried the product. It could be that they tried it on themselves, they tried it out on test subjects, 10 people with normal skin, you know, phone a friend. Do you know a dermatologist? Get them to try your product and you can put that on the thing. It's just marketing. It doesn't actually mean anything. I mean, even saying that a product has been dermatologist tested, did the dermatologist like it or did they just test it? Did they think it was effective or were they like, okay, this is not going to burn your face off. Like I've tested it. Yes. Like it meets the basic requirement. Who knows? That doesn't tell you anything. So I get that people like to have that blanket of security that, oh, a professional has tested this, but unfortunately, and look, you know, this is not the same thing as saying that it's fake marketing. If you are putting a claim like that on your skincare products, you better have actually had it tested by a dermatologist. Otherwise, you can fall into a whole heap of problems because that is false marketing. And in pretty much every country in the world, that is a big problem. You can get sued. You can get pursued by the regulators. So, yeah, they're not lying. A dermatologist has tested it. But what that means and whether that means the product is actually any better for it, who knows? It's just one of those words that floats around. So... What I would recommend is obviously just patch testing any new products before you use them. If you have sensitive skin, keep an eye out for ingredients that you know cause issues for you. Maybe keep a little log or something like that. But just because a product says that it has been tested by a dermatologist doesn't mean that it's good for sensitive skin. Doesn't mean that it's going to make you look, I don't know, like J-Lo in her 50s. Like it literally just means a dermatologist tried this product. Uh, And that's not very impressive when you break it down like that. So they are the top five skin myths that I wanted to go through with you guys today, just because you can see versions of of these kind of things anywhere. And if you, you know, follow any skincare influencers, if you're a member of any skincare Facebook groups and stuff like that, you'll see people say this all the time, all of these things all the time about, oh, you know, the ingredients are the same, just go for the cheaper one, you know, it works just as well. And I get why that kind of thinking makes sense. It's just not true, unfortunately, if you know how skincare manufacturing works and formulation works. I mean, I'm a member of a formula formulators group and I can't tell you how many times people are like ah I followed this recipe to the T why did this not work out so it is a lot more complicated than just a matter of ingredients ingredients are literally just the starting point um you know so look I 
I love I love a good skincare myth debusting session. I hope that you guys enjoyed this as well. If you did, please remember to rate and review the show. Share it with a friend if you have a friend that is perpetuating skincare myths or, you know, I don't know, likes to, to buy into all of these kind of things. I would love for you to share it with someone if you have someone like that. Otherwise, I will talk to you guys next Tuesday. And in the meantime, I will see you on Star Story. Bye.